song said, he's done enough for me. If he never does another thing, he's done enough for me. But he did something for me this morning, right before church. I'm sitting here getting ready one of our members comes up to me, Brother James Mitchell. And as we greet each other, James goes on to dap me up with some down-home Mississippi born and bred dap. Those who may not know dap is when you, you know, grip somebody. So James was already full of the, the spirit of the Lord and, and joy was on him and he dap and dapped and dapped and dapped my hand so much that my little bracelet on my wrist broke it just exploded fell all over the floor he said man I'm sorry man I said man it's all good man it's all good and so he talks about you know hey man I'm just heavy handed so he takes his seat and I'm trying to pick up the little beads because I don't want none of y'all slipping on the beads and trying to have a lawsuit up in here. So I, uh, I picked up the beads. As I was picking up the beads, a hand comes from behind me with two bracelets in its hand to give to me to put on. So I lost one bracelet, but I got two bracelets on. What's the point? Deacon Ron had these bracelets in his pocket to give to me last week because he dapped my hand up a while back and broke my bracelets too. So he said, I just want to bless my pastor with some bracelets. But he forgot to give them to me last week. But when he saw that I had a need, when he saw that they just exploded, he said, oh, I got something in my bag that I meant to get past last week. So I'm just sitting there and then here come these bracelets and I just said, God, you have a way. Always making a way. And, and you know what I have need of before I even ask. I had a need, but I didn't know that Ron had already bought these things and had them with him, supposed to give them last week, but the timing was to give them to me today. I just want to tell somebody today that I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're waiting on God for. But if a man can help me, if a man can just give me some, because I want to be color coordinated and these things match my outfit. If a man can do something like that, what can God do? One of our single parents had to go to a uh, car dealer last week fearing that it was the transmission you know the transmission man that, 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 that can set you back a whole lot of bread so we just started praying either for the Lord to raise up the money or whatever you know just Lord take care of this woman who takes care of your people and then I got a text message pastor the Lord came through it wasn't my transmission it was something else and it's all good we're straight so God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And this is Women's History Month. And so I want to speak about a woman today from Scripture in the midst of our series, Unwrapping Black Presence in the Bible. I'm going to speak about a woman. But before I speak about that woman, I've asked a woman of God that I respect greatly if she would come and pray for me before I preach the word. And so uh, Ebony Funderburk, lady I've known for, oh boy, over 20 years, would you come? Thank you for letting me be your pastor. And please, would you pray that I can preach a word that would honor God and bless his people? Amen. Is that good? Does she need another one? Number six, is it on? Good 
morning, good morning, good morning, Strong Tower. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for asking me. You don't even know when Pastor Chris, now I've been asked to do stuff at the front and I've always said, no, I'm good. But when Pastor Chris texted me and was like, will you come up and pray? I started chuckling because I've been on a 40-day prayer uh, book. Now I'm on day 66, but <laughs> it's only 40 in the book. No, but um, one of the things I was sharing with my mother is that when you pray, I've noticed praying that the warfare just is coming like nobody's business. And you know that's when you're doing something right in your prayer because that warfare starts coming to get you off, knock you off where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be praying. But then as I was reading Rahab, Rahab I'm sorry, um, and looking at pastor notes, it hit me again. One of the things that the Lord said at the beginning of this year is that we were going to see the change of a guard and that God was placing people in strategic places so that his kingdom can be progressed, right? And I'm not up here preaching. But one of the things that he said to me personally is it was contingent upon obedience. And when we were looking at the story of Rahab, there was a whole list that the spies kept giving to you. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, or your family will be destroyed. And she said, yeah, I'm good. And she followed it to the T. It was her faith and her obedience that put into action. And that really struck me this morning as I was coming up here to pray for you because I look at you as a Moses in this congregation. You're leading your people. We're leaving God, you're leading God's people to freedom through these kinds of discussions that break down those barriers of racism, of prejudice. These are hard conversations to have, but it's leading us to freedom so that we can worship and serve God in freedom, in truth, so that his kingdom can be progressed. I had to say that this morning. I don't get up here and say stuff like that, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to say that to you this morning. So as I pray for you, Lord, I ask that you will cover this man of God. I ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to reign and rest upon him right now in the name of Jesus. That your oil will cover him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet in the name of Jesus. That every place that his foot trods, your truth will go with him. Your righteousness will make way and room for him. Father, I thank you for everyone in this congregation. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit will ignite a fire which in in all of our hearts right now to receive your word and to be poured in, Father, that you can use us to pour into your people. We thank you for every divine intervention. I thank you for the testimonies, how you show us that even in a recession, Lord, that you will double our, we will double our vats, that you will bless us to overflow in the name of Jesus, even when people are struggling, that Lord, you will protect our house. You will guard our children. You will send your angels to encamp around the four corners of our home in the name of Jesus. No matter how high gas gets, Father, you continue to provide the finances that we can pay for that gas in the name of Jesus, that it will not hinder, Lord, what you're doing in this season for us. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be gatekeepers. I thank you that you are sitting us at the gate, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be truth bearers in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you will guard this man of God, that as the truth goes forth, Father, that everything the prince of the air tries to wage war against him shall come to nothing. No arrow shall pierce him in the name of Jesus, that his armor is tight and that you've got him. I thank you, Lord, and I bless you for the presence of God in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you have your Bibles, would you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, then we'll go over to James 2, and then we'll go back to Joshua chapter 2, and Joshua chapter 6. Diamonds come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. I didn't realize that there are at least 12 base colors for diamonds. There are pink diamonds, even green diamonds, orange diamonds, purple diamonds, 
blue diamonds, if you've seen the movie Titanic, violet diamonds, and of course there are white diamonds, but what I didn't know is that there are black diamonds. I didn't know that until I started studying for this series, that there are black diamonds. And some of us didn't realize that there were black people in the Bible until we started getting into this series. And there's a black diamond, if you will, that I want to share a little bit with you about this morning. And that is a woman by the name of Rahab, a black diamond. Black diamonds, a carat, uh, can begin at $3,000 a carat. So they're very precious. They are also opaque, meaning that you can't see through them um, because of how they are composited and put together. Um, they are sturdy and strong and although clear, but not translucent. They're somewhat of a mystery, these black diamonds. And although they are not known by many, they are still real and they exist. And for several weeks, we've been talking about folks in scripture that many of us didn't know was there, but they exist. And we wanna give God glory for them, for how they uh, impact our lives. And for Women's History Month, Rahab is just one of those heroines in scripture that we see, um, who was a woman of faith, a woman of God, and beyond being a woman of color, she would be classified today as a black woman. Now, the Bible says many things about Rahab, and I wanna sum those things up as much as I can today with at least 10 observations from scripture about Rahab. Because today I'm entitling this message, The Gift of a Black Woman's Faith. The Gift of a Black Woman's Faith. And, and I want us to highlight a few things about her in scripture. If you're on our mailing list, I sent the notes out to you yesterday because I want you to read up, study up, and pray up before you come into the sanctuary so that we might all be caught up together. And so as Ebony not only prayed, but dared to prophesy over me through what she was already gleaning from Rahab. First thing I want us to see about Rahab as we do this uh, scope of her life is that the Bible says she was a harlot. So let's start right there. She was a harlot. She was a sex worker. She was a prostitute. She sold her body for money. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, it says, By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So she is called a harlot right there in Hebrews 11, verse 31. And we see that she's called a harlot six times in Scripture. She's called a harlot six times in scripture. Now that comes across very rude. That comes across very harsh. But if we look at that, we can see the glory of God because where sin abounded in her life, grace superabounded. Because it's not so much what she did, it's all about who she became and who she was. And by listing the fact that she was a harlot over and over again in scripture, that was not meant to harm her reputation. It was meant to show all of us what God can do with someone who yields to him. Because it's her testimony. It's her testimony. And some of us have things in our past that we're ashamed of, and rightfully so. But when we come to Jesus... Jesus uses those things in our past, not so much to remind us or show other people how bad we were, but to remind us and show other people how good God is. Amen. 
And so for us just to share from whence we have come, because we don't look like what we've been through by the grace of God. And some people will be surprised to know what we may have been caught up in in the past. But again, it's just a testimony of what God can do when he finds someone and just lavishes them with their, his grace. And in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, which I just read from, it's called the Hall of Faith, um, there are 16 men who are listed. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Samson, 16 men are listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Only two women are mentioned, though. Out of all of the people that are listed, only two women are mentioned. One is Sarah, and the other is Rahab, the harlot. That's huge. That's huge because the Bible took place in a um, hierarchical culture, in a male-dominant and even abusive culture, a chauvinistic culture many times. And what I love about the Bible is that it tells the truth about the times in which things occurred in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. And unfortunately, it was never the plan of God, but it was a way of the world that women were treated as less than. So you'll see things in the Bible that prove that point. And to me, that tells me the Bible is real because it doesn't try to uh, uh, um, sterilize things in society pretty them up, soften them up in order for us to see that God is real. No, no, God is saying, I'm so real that I can meet you in a chauvinistic, male-dominant, even abusive culture because another proof that the Bible is real, not only because it talks about this kind of stuff, because I don't think too many other people's sins are listed in Hebrews 11, uh, but Rahab's is listed. But the fact that God shows us brokenness in society, but then he elevates women in a broken hierarchical society. That he does that. He does that in the Old Testament, and of course he did that with the life of Jesus Christ, and he's still doing it today. Oh, the word is real. This sister was a harlot. But secondly, she was honored for her faith. Not only being placed in the hall of faith, one of two women, but we see in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, that she's honored for her faith. The Bible says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So she's being honored for her faith in the book of James. And the Lord's half-brother James is trying to write to the people of God who had been dispersed amongst the world at that time, trying to give them a nuts and bolts kind of theology and, and putting your faith into practice and not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer. He gives wisdom and wisdom and precepts and concepts and, 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 and strong encouragement to the people of God. But there were people running around talking about they had faith, they saved, but their lifestyle did not 
match their profession. What they said and what they did didn't match up. So he gives an example, an illustration about Abraham. That Abraham was justified by faith. Yes, he was, Genesis 15, and God credited righteousness to him. He didn't earn righteousness. He could only receive righteousness, and that was only because he believed in Yah, Yahweh, and God gave him righteousness. But his faith showed up in his demonstration and actions, namely when he went to sacrifice Isaac, that he trusted God. And then the writer... James says, let, let me give you another illustration because we know Abraham's the father of faith. We all look up to him, Father Abraham. Oh man, he had faith. He stepped out and followed God. But let me also give you an example of a woman who had faith, Rahab the harlot. So here again, we see women being promoted and uplifted and again, a male dominant society. So let's look at Rahab and honor her for her faith. Why? Because it showed up when she hid the spies and sent them on her way. She's being honored for her faith. And what I love what the scriptures reveal is that Rahab's faith in God showed up in service to others. See, a lot of people say they got faith in God, but it doesn't show up in serving others. Because if you really know God, if you really have faith in God, if you have the vertical connection, the horizontal is going to show up in how you love and serve people. And Rahab was a demonstration that she had faith in God and it showed up in how she served other people. And we're going to see that in a minute here. Another thing about her is that she was a Hamite. A Hamite. If you've been hanging with us, you know that Noah had three sons. Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and from these, the whole world was populated. And what we know about Rahab, who was living in Jericho, which was on the other side of the Jordan, in the promised land, is that Canaanites inhabited the promised land. And so Rahab was not a Shemite. In other words, she was not Hebrew. She was not a Japhethite. In other words, she was not a European or what would be classified as a Caucasian. She was a Hamite because Ham had a child named Canaan, and the Canaanites would be the ones who would migrate into what is known as the promised land. And so she is a Canaanite, which means that she is a Hamite, which means that she is a woman of color. Scratch that. She is a black woman. But when we play the movie in our mind, when we're reading scripture, the movie reel continues to show these people as Caucasian. And so we have to, again, let the truth set us free and, and, and remind us of who these people were, where they came from, what they looked like, because a lot of that will encourage us for where we live today. Dr. Christina Edmondson, who's the first lady of a church not far from here with her husband, Micah Edmondson, she posted something recently on uh, social media and um, an Asian young girl had picked up a children's book that featured and highlighted Asian children. And things, again, that we may think nothing about, but I'm glad my wife is here to help us think more. This Asian girl saw representation of her in a children's book, and that just blessed her. And she said, look, mom, her eyes look like mine. Again, we may not think much of it, but it changed and blessed that little girl's world. So when we teach the truth well, and we make sure that our Sunday school curriculum for our children is not like something that took place in Europe only or something, where everybody is European. Now, we want to make sure as much as we can, we find curriculum and we uh, get behind images that are more biblically consistent than just culturally uh, inconsistent. And so Rahab was a Hamite. She was a woman of color. Now, here's another thing I learned, that in the Hebrew Bible, the word Rahab. Rahab is used to communicate Egypt in the Bible. And that's found in Psalm 87.4, 89.10, and Isaiah 51.19. What's the point? The Bible is 
poetry and its literature. And so they would use poetic language in order to talk about the land of Ham or Egypt. And one way that they would describe that land was by saying Rahab. Rahab. Why Rahab? Because if we break down her name etymologically, Ray or Ra speaks of the Egyptian god Ra, Amon Ra or Amon Ra, who was the god of the sun, the god of light, the god of power. So Rahab or Rahab, coming out of her uh, uh, Canaanistic background, going back even, let's say, to Egypt, she was a woman of color. She was an unbeliever. Her family, they, they did not know the one true and living God. And so they named her Rahab after the god Ra. And so she was a woman of color. She was a Hamite. But thanks be to God, something's about to happen in her life. Because, fourthly, she heard about God. The true God. The true God. She heard about God. And in Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, it says, Now therefore, excuse me, now before they lay down, she came up to them. This is speaking to the two spies. She came up to them on the roof and said to them, to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan. Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She said, I heard. I heard something about your God. I heard about his matchless power. I heard about your God. That news came this way. It reverberated this way. I heard about his exploits. I heard about his awesomeness. I heard. And because I heard about what he can do, I want to be with him. I want to be on his side. I want to be on his team. And that's why I'm not handing y'all over to my people, because I believe that you are the people of God who know the one true and living God, and I want in on what y'all got. She heard. The Bible says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. She heard. Now, I got to go back to Hebrews 11, 31. It says, by Faith, the harlot Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe. Let me go back and say it this way. She heard what everybody else in Jericho was hearing. But they perished because they did not believe in the God they were hearing about. But for her, she heard about God and she chose to put her faith in God and she lived. You see, a lot of people hear everything that you're hearing but they're not going to receive what you're hearing and then put it into practice. And that's the difference between a question and a Christian. A lot of folks are questioned. You know, y'all go to church, you, you sing gospel song, but I just don't see a change in your life. But I'm not a question, I'm a Christian. And you see what I'm living by, uh, what I believe in by how I live. Everybody heard, but she believed. Everybody heard about Yahweh, but she believed. Her life was changed by what she heard. That's why we cannot downplay sharing the gospel, singing the gospel, rapping the gospel, painting the gospel. We, we, we cannot downplay the power of the gospel because when people hear it, some will believe. But unfortunately, many will not believe she heard the gospel. But then... She hid the spies. So now here, here's the transition and the shift I want you to see. She heard about God, and then it showed up in her feet and in her actions. Again, a lot of people want to hear about God, but do nothing for him. So how can you say that you have faith, but you don't have works that are consistent with that faith in that profession? 
So this is why she is an example to us because she didn't leave it in hearing only, she acted. And multiple times in the Bible, it says that this sister hid the spies. She hid the spies. And I know we think that that may not be a whole lot, but it's a lot, I tell you. A lot of people think that Rosa Parks didn't do much but just sit on the bus. I'm here to tell you that that was huge. That was major. She hid the spies. Her faith showed up in her actions to care for other people. She hid the spies. But then another thing about her is that she helped her family. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, because the Israelites were coming and the scripture says that the people in Jericho were afraid of them because of their God. And they heard of the exploits in other nations and city states that were defeated. And so she says, look, look, I know what's about to happen, but I want to know, can y'all take care of my family? And so it says in Joshua 2, it says, now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So she wants to help her family. She wants to be used to see deliverance occur for her family. And so she's saying to the two spies, I helped y'all out by hiding y'all. Uh, I told a sanctified lie when they asked me, uh, do you know where they are? And she said they went this way, but they were up on her roof. Probably not the first dude she had to hide on the roof because anyway, uh, so, 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 so she's got this thing going on where she helps her family and she begins to intercede for her family because destruction is coming. This is, again, what Abraham did for his family. Remember when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham knew that his nephew Lot lived there and had a family. And he started talking to God, saying, God, um, um, I know you're about to tear this place up, but, but would you save it if there were 50 righteous folk? God said, yeah, yeah, I'll spare the city for 50. Abraham said, Lord, if I can just speak one more time, uh, may the judge of the earth, he's going to always do right. What about for 45? God said, yeah, for 45, I'll save it. And then he said, Lord, what about for 40? God said, yeah, I'll save the city for 40. He works God all the way down to 10. Because he's thinking at least Lot then minister to his wife, uh, his daughters, his, you know, that got to at least be 10 righteous. And God says, that's as low as I'm going is 10 now. But he stood in the gap and interceded for his family. She is standing in the gap and interceding for her family. But let me ask you this question, though. First name out the gate, she says, is her father. Do you think she and her father had a tough relationship because of the living that she chose. I mean, if a father has a daughter who ends up in a brothel or on a pole, that father probably feels like he failed. There's probably tension, especially if their father is religious or knows God. There's probably tension between the father and the daughter. Can you imagine walking around Jericho and everybody knows what your daughter does for a living? Does that make you proud or does that make you ashamed? And then she's got mother and brothers and sisters. Ah. So she said, can you help my family? In other words, something has changed in me. Because we're going to see in a minute, she, she houses her family. They, they come into her house, which means that whenever she went to talk to her family, they believed that she had changed. Because they saw something different in her eyes. They heard something different in her voice. Because once she heard about Yahweh, her life changed. And she walked out of being a harlot and she walked into her destiny of being a difference maker for God. And she talked to her family. And she lived on her own. She lived in a house on the wall. Her family is estranged from her and them from her. And so she says, hey, let me go talk to y'all and let you know about God. Yahweh is coming. And y'all need to get up in my house. She was so convincing that she convinced them. Some of y'all got family members that really don't believe you saved. 
some of y'all are married to people that don't really believe that you know Jesus. I pray that they will see it in your talk and in your walk. I pray that they'll be convinced that someone has changed you and is changing you. And at the same grace that found you can find them because you're not acting holier than thou or better than them. You are just a beggar that found the bread of life. And you're going to let your light shine because listen, your family know you for real. We kind of know you up in here, but they know you for real. They know what you used to do. And many of them will keep hanging it over your head. But again, that's your testimony. That's not what you did is not who you are. You're a child of God. And so her family, she said, I want to help my family because, man, if God is touching your heart, you want the people closest to you to be touched by God as well. Let me move on. She uh, hung a scarlet cord in the window because she let the spies down by a rope. And, and then she said to them, I need y'all to give me a token that y'all are going to keep your word that you're not going to destroy my house, which is on the wall, by the way. I, I need a token. And so they come up with this idea of a scarlet cord, a red cord. And we see that in Joshua chapter two, verse 21. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. That was the sign. Houses on the wall. So when the armies of Israel are coming, they see her house and the window and the scarlet cord coming out of the window. It was a sign of don't touch that house. It was a sign of leave that house alone. But here's the deal, though. They weren't the ones that were going to physically put their hands on that wall. God was the one who was going to deal with that wall. So they had to march around that wall one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And then they blew the trumpets and they gave a shout. Again, what, what a battle plan. This is why, again, you know, sometimes God just won't make sense to you. But you obey anyway until sense comes when you see what he does because you were obedient, as Ebony said. It just don't make sense. How am I going to pay my bills and give to God? Well, ask that woman over in First Kings. You know, God will take care of you. Just obey. Do what he says. And so they marched, they shouted, and the walls came down. In other words, God fought the battle for them. They didn't have to scale the wall, didn't have to put prehistoric dynamite in the wall. They marched, played music, and shouted. In other words, they worshipped, and the walls came down. I said they worshipped, and the walls came down. But as the wall fell down, only one portion of the wall was left standing. The place where Rahab's house was. The whole wall fell except the portion where her house was. Why? Because that red cord, which is a picture of what? The blood. The blood. Pastor, why you say the blood? Because under Moses, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and the death angel was coming as the last plague, God says, here's what y'all need to do now. Take a lamb. One for each household, slay it and take the blood of the lamb. Take the hyssop plant, dip it into the blood and smear it on the door frames and the windowsills of each house so that when the death angel comes, it will see the blood and do what? Passover. So they were protected by the blood of the lamb. And so these guys knew that story from Moses' generation. And they said, look, look, put this scarlet cord in the window. And when we see it, We'll know not to touch it. But God is the one who ultimately says, I'm not touching that house because of the blood that has been applied on the life of this harlot and everybody that's in her house. I just want to know, are you covered by the blood of Jesus today? The Bible says in the book of Revelation that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So when you know Jesus Christ, not only are you covered in the righteousness of the Lord, you're also drenched in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
But also you got to apply that blood in your home. You got to pray over your house. You, you, you got to symbolically say, Lord God, don't let nothing come up in through this door, through these windows, uh, uh, through social media. Don't let nothing come up in this house that's going to disrupt the peace in this house. And Jesus, Lord, protect us from people who want to harm us outside. Lord, protect us from danger seen. and uns- Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. It's not just a song we sing on Sunday during communion but it's the power of God. And so, man, she hung the cord. She housed the family. Joshua 6, 23 says, and the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside of the camp. So if you were in her house, you were safe. If you're with Jesus, you're safe. (laughs) So she housed her family. Her faith in God showed up in how she served other people. But then, old girl, she got hitched. Because Bible says that she went and lived with the Israelites. And as Joshua was writing this, he said, she's still with us to this day. And while she's with them, she marries a Hebrew man. And according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, She marries a man by the name of Salmon. I know some of y'all say, uh, we're going to have Salmon tonight uh, and and, and bread and right salt. No, that's salmon. The L is silent. This is Salmon. Matthew 1, 5. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Oeb. Uh, by uh, Obed, by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse would end up beginning David, and David would lead to Jesus Christ. So she not only came into Israel, she came into the line of Judah. And she married a dude named Salmon, who many believe was one of the two spies that came into Jericho and went to her house and was on the roof. That he was one of the two spies, Salmon. Now, if that is the case, that means when this brother was on his mission from Joshua to go and spy out the land, he was checking out that honey. I mean, he's about the Lord's work, you know, man, about to be a war, about to be a battle, but good, 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 hey, girl. Salmon had an eye on her. And maybe she had an eye on him, you know, because, again, she was changed by hearing about God. But I got to give Salmon his props because he went on to marry a woman with a past. Y'all don't hear that, do you? But somebody need to hear that. He wasn't afraid of what other people were going to say because he married a former woman of the night. He, He didn't care about what other people said or thought or even who had been with her. Because she was not, again, her past. And we don't know about Salmon's stuff. We don't know what he was into. But I tell you what, he was a sinner that needed grace just like her. They got together. They got married. And through their lineage comes the Savior of the world. You see, Jesus came from sinners so that he could save sinners like you and me. She got hitched, found herself a good man. So let me say this to somebody. Men, do what God has called, single men, do what God has called you to do. Obey him and stumble across the wife that he has for you. Stop going out looking for a wife. Look to serve and honor God and let him bring the wife to you. And then when you find her, you know it was God who did it and not you that did it. Let him interrupt your life with the woman of your dreams. Men, ladies, I ain't really pray on this part. Let's see what the Lord going to say right now. Uh, Do the will of God and let the man God has for you find you. They didn't start chapter two looking for a husband or a wife, but they came up out of chapter two eventually as husband and wife. Do the known will of God and let the unknown will of God find you. 
Don't make wanting to get married an idol. Mm -mm. Don't make a person an idol. No, they're not worthy. Trust God and watch him bring into your life the people he wants in your life. So somebody that's waiting on the Lord, just wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Because the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you would have waited on God. Because some folk jumped the gun and they grabbed their choice <laughs> rather than waiting on God. Let me get back on point here before I get booed. Uh, <laughs> well, finally, she had heroes in her family. Men like Boaz, who was a kinsman redeemer. David, who was the king of Israel and Jesus Christ who is the king of kings. All of these came from Rahab. And that says again that God uses all of us. It's not what we bring to the table because we bring nothing but our brokenness. He uses us in spite of ourselves. And here this woman is who was a harlot. Now she's in the hall of faith and we are recognizing her for her great faith and how she served others. And she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Only God can do that. Everything changed for Rahab when she heard about God. The proof that she was a believer in God was found in her care, concern, and service to others. I just want to ask you before we leave, does your faith in God lead to serving others? If so, how? If not, why? Because if God is that good, shouldn't he show up in how you live and how you touch and reach folk? Because remember in James 2, when he was talking about the importance of faith and works, he talks about people needing food and clothes. Just don't say, yeah, hey man, be well, be fed. No, do something about it. Well, God set us up today. Because yesterday, our volunteers were supposed to come out and do the food boxes and drive them to our friends uh, in Edge Hill and wherever we serve is a community of folks, I believe Latino primarily, whose apartment complex burned down and we uh, served their students at one of the elementary schools and we found out about it. And so we've been trying to help them along with the Red Cross as much as we can. And, uh, and, and going into spring break, these kids won't be in school. So therefore, the, the breakfast and lunch in school for some of them is the best meal of the day. And, and we just didn't want them to be hanging during spring break. And so we organized a food bank distribution. Well, the snow came and we couldn't have y'all come out yesterday. But we said, let's do it today. So after we hear a good message like this, <laughs> let's go down the hall, pack some boxes for some folk, pray over those boxes. Some of us are going to drive them to these folks. So God is so good. So Rahab, what a blessing she is to us. But as I close, can, can, can I honor someone? Because Strong Tower, we have our own Rahab here. Or should I say Rahab? Rahab Mitch, uh, Marshall, who's a member of this church. We have our own Rahab who comes from Tanzania, whose parents no doubt named her Rahab, not because of Rahab's past, but because of Rahab's faith. So Rahab came to this country and uh, started running track at TSU and met the man who would be her husband, our student minister, Isaiah Marshall. They just running track. Next thing you know, God has them running together. They get married. But here's a challenge that Rahab faced. She wasn't a United States citizen. So for 13 years, she kept trying and trying and doing all the things, all jumped through all the hoops to become a United States citizen. At times, wanting to give up, but kept going. Why? Because her husband's a citizen. Her children are citizens. She's not. And, and I'm sure the enemy was lying to her. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. But like Rahab in the Bible, Rahab had faith in God. And I want to let you know that on Tuesday of this past week, Rahab became a United States citizen. In this country. Rahab, are you here? Are you here? Where are you? Is she here? She's serving in the back. You see? 
Rahab is serving. And may we be like Rahab in the Bible, even the Rahab in this church that has a faith in God that shows up in how we serve. Would you stand to your feet and let's pray. So we're going to go down the hall. For those of you who can stay with us now, we're going to pack these boxes. The ladies have it organized down there. Um, Many hands make light work. We should be able to knock this out. We've got drivers designated. We may even be able to pick up a couple more. But um, this is what we're doing as a church. This is what when we give financially to the benevolence offering and when we give our tithes and offering, these are just some of the things we get to do. And we've been talking to folks about also taking an offering and sending it to people on the ground um, for the war that's going on right now in Ukraine. So we, we always want to be local and global. A couple weeks ago when I was preaching on the Ethiopian eunuch, one of our missionaries said, now, Pastor, um, there's been a war going on in Ethiopia, a civil war, for years now. And those people could use some food and prayer and help. So this little church right here, we're going to do all that we can for Jesus and let him multiply it like he does the fishes and the loaves. So, Daddy, we love you. We thank you that we get to be here, that we know the joy of what it means to be forgiven, to be loved, to be blessed, to be taken care of by you. And we know that you've blessed us to be a blessing, that you've called us to be your body, your hands and your feet. So thank you for opportunities that come our way individually, in our families, in our communities, in our schools, but also, Lord, through our church to put our love into action. Lord, giving someone a gas card right now might be something that would bring a smile to someone and and show them the love of God. Little things can do a lot, like even handing me a bracelet before I started preaching. Oh God, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would continue to give to this church that we can give to others, that we would not hold on to nor try to hoard the things, the resources that you send our way, but you will trust us knowing that we won't take the money, nor will we take the glory, nor will we take the credit. Lord, we just want to be empty vessels that you use. So Lord, I pray that you bless us, let us have a good time, and then Lord, when our folks get these boxes, I pray that they will feel the love of God, the love of Jesus, that they are not forgotten because we took the time to care. Thank you again for Rahab, how she took the time to hide those men and to house her family. Thank you for how you blessed her. She didn't do it to get blessed, but God, did you bless her? That's our heart today. We're not doing anything to get blessed, but you just have a way as a good father. You're just going to bless us. So thank you now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. And it's according to the power that's working in us, to him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Can somebody give Jesus a hand? Praise, <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. You are dismissed, you are dismissed. We'll meet you down in the fellowship hall for those who can stay and help out.